Welcome to What The Foot. Today, we are talking about getting your first podiatry job. So, my name is Julian, and I am joined today by two co-hosts in Tony. Hey, guys. And if a token, you might remember as good well. Day, good day, good day, How are we, guys? I'm back. Doing well? Yeah, I'm doing very well, doing very well. That's yep. all right. Very good, straight after work, so. Uh, yep, lovely on a Monday on. night. So, today we're talking about <clears throat> getting your first podiatry job. So, given the amount of content we can talk about, um, in terms of getting your first podiatry job in, looking for jobs, um, fixing your resume up, fixing your cover letter up, the interview, what to do once you get the job as well. We're probably going to split this episode into two parts. So, and this podcast will be relevant to mainly new grads, I reckon. New grads in current fourth year or final year podiatry students. Just let me interject. No, I reckon it could be relevant to a couple other people. Like, yeah. there, I reckon there's a couple of things that we're going to talk about specifically me, that I'm going to talk about that even if you're not a new grad, um, it's still it can still be useful information. Like for the agencies, like if you've never been with an agency before, it's still useful information. So mainly, it's mainly tailored at new grads and fourth years, even third years, but I still think first to third year out of uni can still use some of the information. It, some of the information, can, if you want to change what type of podiatry or what sector you're in, things like that. And I suppose because it is general job application <coughs> tips, yeah, you can definitely use it as you're four or five years out, probably even more, just to get that resume up to scratch and all, and your interview skills up to scratch to help you get that job that you really want, like if I said. And Julian, if you remember in fourth year, we did an assignment on uh, getting your first production <laughs> job, and yeah. I think we scored pretty highly. We, so. Oh, we're not, we're not here to flare our own uh, boat. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yep, so um, as if I just said, in fourth year, we did a... Um, assignment on starting your first podiatry job all three of us mm. were involved in that topic um and it was we actually became pretty passionate about it i reckon michelle kaminska was pretty pretty happy with our yeah, video yeah, yeah, <laughs> was very, all the, the teachers were all very happy with um the video so i might link that up with uh, the episode so yeah, watch this face guy uh, so yeah it is a topic we are actually all quite passionate about um and hence why we're all pretty enthusiastic to do this episode so do you boys remember about 10 months ago when we were um well, we were new, not even new guys yet, we were fourth year students. I certainly do. And we were in clinic and just like thinking about, we're going to have to start applying for podiatry jobs soon. Like, what was it, how did you guys feel? Like, Pretty nervous. I mean, I've had jobs before, obviously, but I guess finishing uni and then getting, going into a field that I've never physically worked in as a professional was daunting. But yeah, pretty intimidating. Was, not going to lie. Was there one thing you were most nervous <coughs> about? Like, was resume interview or just looking at finding a job that you want? I was pretty nervous about everything, to be honest. Like, everything was new. Like, even I've gone to interviews before, but, I mean, usually I was pretty good at making making things up. But <laughs> um, there were a couple of interviews in particular where they asked me a couple of clinical questions, and I was like, oh, crap. There you go. Yeah, you've never, never been that yeah. experience before. You're like, what do you, what, what do you say in that situation? Yeah, I went for oh, a public hmm. health position, and it was supposed to be community health, and they asked me about a peace question. And, I, and I'd, I'd done... I'd done reading the day before about wounds and this and that, and they asked me about peas, and I was like, oh, shit. And then uh, the woman's like, you should know this. You learned this in fourth year. And I was like, ah, there we go. Oh, that, <laughs> uh, that's why I didn't get the job. This line. Mm. Oh, gee. So, yeah. oh, so it's pretty daunting for me, Faye. What about you, Tony? Uh, yeah, I remember in internal clinic when we were all, um, you know, treating our patients here and there, and I've seen a few students duck out to um, answer some phone interviews, uh, which was quite funny. And that's when I realised, oh, maybe I should get my resume up to scratch and start looking for a job. But yeah, I wasn't in too much of a rush back then. And yeah, I felt 
that it was a big moment in our um, time at uni. Yeah, I remember in the resumes in particular, the moment I realised I had to get my resume in order was we had a speaker come see us fourth years and be like, raise your hand if you have a resume ready to go. And one person, and I think it was Jason actually, put their hand up. Mm. And it was just, and I realised that I probably should get that resume sorted considering I'm going to have to start applying for jobs in a month or so. So that was pretty big for me. Um, the biggest, that was probably the thing I was most mer- no, most nervous about as well. Let's start with talking about how to search for your first podiatry job or not so much your first podiatry job, just podiatry jobs in general, whether you want to be in the private, pri- private sector or public sector, we'll touch on both. So I suppose as new grads, the first places that I looked for a job was on the Australian Podiatry Association website. So they have a classified section where they talk about the listings they have for these private jobs and public jobs as well. Um, These ones are generally put up by people who are members of the Australian Podiatry Association themselves. Um, And I suppose it's just a nice central place to start looking for your, whether it be your first podiatry job or another job further down the track. But there are multiple, (coughs) multiple avenues and websites to go to other than the APOD A website. So some including Seek, Jora, Indeed, those websites that are known for hosting job applications. And then organization websites, which if I was having a chat off camera before saying it's very good just to pick up public jobs in particular, they'll often self-advertise within their own, within their, 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 their own internal portal, yeah. Do you want to talk a bit about that? Yeah. <clears throat> so um, I'll probably be going through, well, definitely be going through um, the job the job side of this uh, because I've got plenty of experience in it since I apply for a hell of a lot of jobs. <laughs> uh, so I'll go through a couple of things, as Julian has highlighted. So I'll go through organisational websites, um, SEEK, Jura, and Indeed, as well as an agencies. So um, agencies probably be my biggest focus at the end because I don't think many, at least... I'm not sure if many new grads have any experience with agencies. I do, as in I've got, I got two public jobs through agencies. Um, was, was your dis? So for those who don't know, if I was a dis- worked in disability or, or was uh, it child protection. Okay, so uh, my background in before being a podiatrist is I was whilst in uni for five years. Well, before you, I started uni, I've worked in child protection and disability. So, and, and was that through an agency that you found actually, that job? And that was actually through an agency as well, funny enough, and through DHS and through a lot of other organisations. So, so as you, well. you have had that experience with yeah. agency, which is a lot more than. Yeah, well, so I've got a lot of different. Say, yeah. I definitely have. I come from a different perspective. I think most. Uh, it seems that most people in podiatry, or at least students, were working on like Athletes Forward or Active Feet or other um, shoe stores. But my um, background was certainly different. I don't think anyone came close to doing what I was doing. <clears throat> so I'll go through the first one, as I said, so organisational websites. So, and this is more in terms of if you want to work in the public sector. So what you'll find is, so I'll give you an example of like, if you're trying to, let's say, work, look for, you live in the western suburbs, live in Point Cook, and you're trying to work um, for an organisation around the area, so Western Health or um, even Royal Melbourne or whatever, a lot of those organisations, all public health organisations, have um, an internal website. So what you'll find is uh, if you go on the, let's say, Western Health and go on their jobs, on their job section, they'll, you can um, sign, lo- sign up and uh, to get notifications for, for jobs. So obviously being podiatry, you'll be looking for allied health jobs. So every time there is an allied health job being posted within the organisation, uh, that will, be, it will go there first and you'll get an email. Because sometimes what I've 
realises uh, a lot of the times it was certain jobs. Certain jobs were were advertised in the internal portal and. Then if they didn't get the person they wanted, then it was advertised on Seek and things like that. So sometimes, you know, if you're really eager, that's that's the way to go. And yeah, plenty of plenty of things advertised through there. So the next one we'll go through is uh, looking through job sites such as Seek, Indeed, Endura. And I feel like, yeah, that was something I, those three websites were one that I used definitely a lot to look at, mainly private sector work. Yeah, so but you'll find um, those three, um, the aforementioned, are pretty good for all private and public as well. Uh, so they're pretty easy to use. Uh, what I find is it's beneficial to even be using all three. So there are pros and cons of all three, I guess. Not really cons, but there are things that sometimes seek offer that Jura don't, for example. Ah, oh, they both offer it, I guess. Um, one of the things I found with Indeed, or was it, it was either Indeed or Jura, that um, every month, every week, I got an email. Every week I got an email oh, like about, production, yeah, new jobs, about new yeah. production jobs being that's, offered. That's pretty good. So yeah. um, that was a way of you know keeping myself in touch because sometimes when you're busy you don't <laughs> you don't have time to be checking all the time. Even though I was. So, so you can set up like a notification system like to be triggered whenever a yeah. dietary job is released in the Melbourne encatchment. Yeah, uh, whatever encatchment. Whether, whether, whether you want, you want Melbourne, in. you want South East Melbourne, you want Victoria, you want it on Australia. I mean, my dad signed up for it to help me and he was always telling me every week that, oh, there's a job here, there's a job here. So it definitely is beneficial. Uh, what I'll say is it's pretty helpful to use all three. Don't just think that one is better than the other because I remember there was one job and I, I listed organization. There was one job, there was organization that listed a job on Indeed before they listed it on Seek or on Jura. So some why is that? Why that was the case? I'm not sure, but it it doesn't help to be looking through all three. And, and the thing I suppose <clears throat> is, if you were the first one to see that job on Indeed, you had a one day <clears throat> head start. Mm. And the thing is, like, if that was say a job where they were looking for someone to hire really quickly then they see that good resume in that first day, come on in for an interview, <coughs> that position could be gone by the time it comes in three days later on Seek or something like that. Yeah, I mean, Dylan does have a very good point, but I think it's important to differentiate between um, the way applications are done through public and private jobs. Mm -hmm. So, for example, most public jobs are usually open for like three, two plus weeks. So, really, it doesn't really matter if you if you applied on the first day or the last day, because I usually applied on the last day. Yeah. Um, most public organisations don't, don't open... Don't start looking through the application until until the closure. Oh, the cut the cut off the cut off day. Um, but probably uh, more for a private private. Yeah, thing private is more private. It's definitely more important to apply as soon as you see it because although the application may be open for three weeks, usually with most private practitioners, if they find someone they if looking through the resume, they find someone they really really want, they will usually interview them straight away. There's no really point for them waiting. Um, public organisations have different kind of different um guidelines. Different expectations. Yeah. Go on. I suppose the other website as well, we have none of us have talked about so far, is like LinkedIn. Um, and Tony, I think you were um, you were subject to this where people actually like headhunted you. Yeah, well... For lack of a better word, on in, on um, LinkedIn. Yeah, after attending a professional issues day, I took into account that LinkedIn is a great resource to network with other podiatrists uh, within Australia and the world. Uh, so I quickly made an account, uh, filled out my experiences, my work history, uh, my volunteering efforts, and I've started to gather a lot of uh, networks and connections. Um, so I started in private practice early in my career, uh, still early <coughs> in our career actually. Yeah. And then uh, recently I, I was uh, contacted by someone who was opening a new clinic and was asking if I was happy to meet them. 
and know about more, more about their clinic and see if I was interested in joining their team. So I thought, okay, um, it's a bit closer to home. I'd give it a crack. And yeah, I've actually landed a different job through just owning a LinkedIn account. Uh, I did go through the APOD A website, Seek, um, and all those external websites to look for my initial jobs. Um, but I found that, yeah, just by having a LinkedIn account, uh, you can definitely find a job uh, that can further uh, your career. So I'm really fortunate with that. Beautiful. Just back onto the topic of, um, of Seek and Deed Insurer. Uh, all these um, organizations, or at least Seek, have apps. So you'll find it's much easier. I find it much, much easier um, using the app because even when I was doing my other job or I was at the gym or whatever, you know, it's just you quickly pop in podiatry and then you can see i mean i was, I was checking regularly you can see all the jobs um been advertised so that's just something <clears throat> something to do and just an fyi just to um keep your resume as updated as possible yep. um in in applying for jobs and we'll go through this later on um later in the podcast but for example although i said that most public organizations um have applications open for several weeks there was one organization I applied for that the application opened on Wednesday and closed on Friday so and the advantage of having a resume ready or cover letter ready is that it's just easy just to send it off don't be the person that applies last minute and because with some of these organizations the applications can take a very can be pretty long like I know um not really Melbourne St. Vincent's the application was really like run it was running like essays and Ballarat as well or something like that yeah I think for uh, community or public jobs like Bendigo and the big ones out there in Melbourne they have a lot of um, criteria and text box answers so you can't really just upload your cover letter and your resume you have to answer <coughs> like personality questions and situations and things like that yeah and these these questions can take a lot like if you want to get the job and you want, you obviously want to do it properly yeah. uh, if they're not something you can just do uh, in five minutes because believe me I've tried I'm not failed I feel like yeah we can't bring in the mentality that we used to have in university <coughs> a little bit where we'd sort of upload maybe an hour before the jet deadline of the like yeah. upload an assignment an hour before the deadline closed I feel yeah. like that's probably not the um yeah. the right mentality to take into applying especially those all jobs but especially that sort of job we got to answer those five questions yeah you'd be rushing and but what you'll find is um how if you apply after applying for several as i have uh because i'll just give you a quick preface um my goal was work in public sector so i was always applying for public sector roles after applying for a fair few realize they um even with all those criteria questions a lot of the questions are very similar to an extent, whether it's Kyle for Monash or Western, um, so what you what I used to do is I used to um, save, I used to type. So I used to type all the questions in a Word doc and then save them. And then when I'd apply for another organization, I'd kind of just pick and choose. Like, oh, that is you know that's a very very similar question to what I answered. So you know you're just kind of cutting and pasting and editing. And I think, Tony, you have something to say about values or something like that? Yeah, I think with a few public jobs I applied for, a lot of them did look for, you know, what values do you have as a person or what can you bring to the company? So most of them have a common theme. Um, so it's just a matter of retweaking your answers, I guess, and just building upon what they're looking after. Mm -hmm. And another one, I, another question <coughs> I saw a few, on a few public application jobs was patient-centered care, again, playing into your values as a person, but then also as a podiatrist as well. Yeah. Like, but again, like, as you questions see, as well. Yeah, as you see, um, it, 
you most organizations will ask for patient centered care, but once you've asked, answered a patient centered care question for Western Health, it's very, if Monash asks it as well, it's going to be very, very similar. It's a, yeah. And so it's just, You want to make sure you've done it good. Yeah, yeah but, you, but again, but you want to make sure you've done it properly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it does help having something already safe because it can take you. I remember I, one application took me like an hour, almost two hours. Because it asked like, like six. The, to answer the five or six questions. Oh, there was something. like eight criteria questions, and they were not very. I still haven't saved them on my computer. Like they weren't straightforward questions. Do they ever ask for a word like a lim- like a minimum of like two hundred words for an answer? Uh some did, some didn't. Like they all kind of do it differently. But yeah, there were some of the questions weren't very easy to to answer. And it's kind of interesting because you don't really want to write an essay, but you don't want to do like a two sentence answer. Yeah, I'd, if I'd, I think you give it two sentences, you know, get the job. Like I guess it's about finding the balance between not too much and not too little. Uh, again, and that's just with experience in success. Once you find what works for you, you know how to how to go, go about it. Mm-hmm. So the last point I go through is agency. So this is the big one. Um, and I think I'm not too sure if many people in our cohort have much of an experience with an agency. I know at least the boys here don't, um, apart from me. So I'll just start by saying um, I did have experience with agency outside of podiatry with the work I was doing before, disability care work and child protection work. But I'd never gone through an agency um in podiatry and I was, I was very very hesitant uh, my dad was always pushing me to go through that so when I was applying for a couple of public sector jobs and I wasn't successful my dad was always asking me about podiatry um allied health agencies and things like that and I was pretty closed-minded I was like nah 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 it's not gonna work it's not gonna work and you know and I put it off for a while and then I guess after a while I just said well <laughs> I might as well listen to words of wisdom with my dad and I gave it a shot because it's interesting, but they never really <clears throat> like. I don't remember a university um, ever talking about no we never using did. an agency. Yeah, uh, yeah, we never did. But um, I'll just go through my experiences with agencies, yeah. and they're very, very positive. So there are a fair few allied health agencies around, and they do they uh, are useful for public or private sector roles. Um, I got both of mine. I got both of my public sector jobs through the agency, and I'll say this. Being honest, if I didn't go through an agency, I, I highly doubt I would have got the job in itself, um, either the first or the second job. <clears throat> so the, fa- the agencies I know of are like Cornerstone Medical Recruitment, Mars Recruitment, uh, Careers Connections, and there are a couple, there, those are just the ones I know of and the ones I've gone through. But there are, there are heaps, there are heaps around. And so they're pretty specific, like they've got an allied health department. So what you do is you usually send in uh, your resume and they'll you know they'll get back to you and they'll start looking for um for positions that as that you're looking for so if you're looking for a private position or looking for a public position um and the way um agencies more or less work is what you'll find is um if they don't have anything for you they'll be very very hard to contact for example there was a public community health role in melbourne that i'd applied for previously not through an agency and i applied again through an agent this time. And so I talked to the woman um, in the agency and she said she would get back to me and she never got back to me. And I'm a pretty persistent person and I tried to contact that woman through the agency like four or five times, but she was magically always unavailable. Now we flip it on the other side. Uh, when I got my current public role that I'm about to start, when they wanted to give me the position, the day that I was successful, at this time I was working in uh, regional Australia, regional um, Victoria, they, the agency called me four times and emailed me twice in one day. Gee. 
Yeah. Good. And when <laughs> and and, they must have loved that resume then. Uh, no, no. This is one. So I, at, at this point, I'd already I'd already interviewed for that role, oh, and I'd yeah. gotten and I'd the, gotten the role. And but, they just wanted to call you to let you know. Yeah, they just wanted. That. But they they were hounding me. They Gee. were so you flip it into um, in one. And on one spectrum, when um obviously my resume wasn't what one organisation was looking for, and I could not get into contact with that agency, and then on the other hand, you know I was successful with the job, and they were hounding me, um and so yeah, so and so I'll quickly talk about uh what, what sort of agency names like what's the name of a name like like the names of like agencies we can like where oh, your so new I, graduates can use so uh, there's Mars recruitment uh, there's careers connection uh, there's cornerstone medical recruitment those what, are just what a was couple. That last one? Uh, cornerstone medical oh, cornerstone yeah. you know what I should really get a plug for this I should really, I should really uh, charge him and <laughs> if they was there any uh, cost associated with using these recruitments at all actually no, no? <laughs> which was really surprising so I think the way they work is they get a commission um, with uh, with the organization so Let's say when I was working for one organization, or let, let's say um, if the agency, so the way it works is the organization, original organization, uh, will pay the agency and then the agency will pay me. So it's a bit of a, a lot of hands in the trough. So what happens is, let's say if I'm getting paid, let's say $40 an hour, mm-hmm. usually the agency will be getting paid maybe, let's say, 80 or 90 and then that um they will cut it and give me some of it, but obviously okay. they will still get the majority of it. Yeah. Uh, so that's how it works. And can you apply online for these? Yeah, yeah. These they're, they're, like, they're online. Um, you can either go through the websites or you'll find a lot of them are through Seek. Um, right. like I saw a lot of if you actually read yeah, a lot of um organizations through Seek. So and like I said before, being honest, if I did not go through the agency, I would not have. So I've have. Experience with three jobs, or well, I say three jobs, one in private and two in public. Um, the last public one I'm about to start in the coming weeks, but the first public health job I got, I would not have. I, I again, I would not have gotten without. I don't think I would have gone without agency. Um, so, obviously, I've been. I was trying to get into um, public sector for a long time, and I just I had no issues getting an interview. It was just getting the actual job. Uh, you know. They'll give me the same thing. You don't have enough experience, even though obviously they know that. Um, so then this time I applied for an agency and I... So one of the tips I'll give new grads or people trying to get into public is sometimes, uh, not that I'm not grateful, but sometimes beggars can't be choosers in terms of if you really, really want to get in a certain sector, whether it's public, private, you want to do sports, you want to do this, you want to do that. Sometimes... The location may not be your ideal location, but you know you have to look at things in a long term, um, in a, on a long term perspective. perspective. Yeah, like again, I uh, my the first public role I got was in uh, Western Victoria, Western rural Victoria, but it was it was very good. Like I really really enjoyed the job. If I if I have another opportunity to return to the organization. I would return there again. Very, very good organization. Very, very professional. Very nice people. Extremely nice. But yeah, like their organization, I, I got the job through. I actually, they actually, funny enough, that job was actually applied, was actually um, open, not through an agency initially. It was a like and roll. And I didn't apply for it because I was like, I don't want to live here. But then, you know, obviously <laughs> changing um, expectations and Saying to myself, well, if if you really want to work in public sector roles, clearly there are not many jobs available in 
Melbourne or many jobs that you'll get in Melbourne, but there's a role in regional, rural, slash rural Victoria that is available. And it's fine enough, I'm a grade one, but the job I got in regional Victoria is essentially grade two, yeah. which would never be open to me in Melbourne. Because again, there's just so much demand in Melbourne that they won't even look, they'll pass me over, yep. pass me up. So, for a, for a grade yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so that's just uh, a quick tip to those new grads is like, for example, in our year, I think probably in Victoria, in our year, how many people work in public health? And this is a quick tangent are on we, working in public health. Are we including the graduate positions that come out as well? Because... No, no, not, not, not including the graduate, just working in general. Like as in a full-time, we're talking in a full-time... Well, full -time because there's public. probably, without saying names, we're probably... There was Monash, there was Royal Melbourne, there was Geelong. They were the three graduate positions. They were the three graduate positions. That positions. Came out in our, when we graduated. Peninsula, but um, Pen Interstate Pen didn't got that. Yeah. Peninsula, yeah, was, yeah, Peninsula State, in Peninsula as well. So that's four. So yeah, there were four graduate positions in Vic in Victoria. In public health. Yeah, in public health, and then non-graduate positions that grads still got. Um, there was. Queensland. Queensland. Um, Darwin. Oh. Yeah, Cody, Dar there was Darwin as Cody well. Cody got Horsham. Oh, yeah, Horsham. Yeah. Oh, Horsham. So there's, 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 there's another Victorian. Those, another Victorian so there's, there's five actual graduate positions. Three were metro-based in Melbourne and two were... Rural. One was regional and one was rural. So that, when, when you compare that to the amount of public jobs yeah, out there... Not, yeah, there's not many Sorry, public jobs. the amount of private jobs out there. Yeah, I think... And that. Just uh, I got an attention as well. If you're a graduate looking to get in a public position, like... Probably well, there's not many, and there's definitely not many in Melbourne, and not many for those who don't have experience. Like one of these organisations, obviously don't have too many, how much have that much space for a new grad. So if you're adamant about getting a public sector role, there's a very good chance you're gonna have to move definitely out of Melbourne, <laughs> because yeah. if you go from our year, there's only three graduate positions open. Like someone got one in Alice Springs, yeah. Someone else got one in Queensland, Townsville, Cairns. Towns Townsville, Townsville yeah. and my current one is in rural Western Australia. Yeah, so so, so you you've travelled with the opportunities, and I think that's that's a really like, important point, like for any new grads or even people who are looking to and shift I think, their career in a certain direction. Yeah, and like, I think be prepared like, yeah. to move if you really yeah. really want. Yeah, it. I, yeah. I think so it's yeah <laughs> moving movement. Unfortunately, um, you, you're gonna have to move like really, or you just I feel like you just you you, you get to a point where you just can get frustrated because. Sometimes those opportunities just don't open themselves. And I'll say this in ending it. Um, I wouldn't have got my current public job I have now if I didn't get the first locum role. Yeah. So the first public job I did was a, was a four-week locum. Yeah. But like I think in public sector, it was just about getting my foot in the door. That was just what I needed to prove to people that I was competent. And that, and that is, yeah, so by moving and going through that agency. Yeah, go, yeah so going through that agency, I just got my foot through the door. Yeah. And even like... The actual role I got now, I, I'm about to start, they really only gave it to me because I had experience, one, working by myself mm -hmm. um, with the locum. I had experience in rural, rurally as well, and I had that public experience because I actually wanted someone more experienced, yeah. but because I was competent and also because I'd, I didn't, I'd, I'd shown that, I'd, I never told them in my interview that, they asked me, aren't you worried that it's rural? But I said, listen, um... With all the respect, I want to work in public health, and whether it takes me to eight thousand kilometers away from a major city or whatever, yeah, it, it doesn't matter. Like that's where, if that's where it leads me, that's where it leads me. So that's that's how I got it. That's awesome. And 
I think that's just really awesome coming from FA because that's something we didn't, we didn't know anything about in uni going through agency. Yeah, I, I, and I, I, I had no idea. Yeah. These steps we'd have to go to to achieve certain things within our career. <clears throat> that's pretty inspirational just to hear that you went through it in that way. I don't want to say I'm an inspiration, but yeah. Oh, I'd, say it's eye, I'd say it's eye-opening. eye-opening. Yeah, yeah. We'll yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't say many people call me inspiration. <laughs> so yeah. the next one topic will probably be about resumes. Yep. So Jules, so, so take it away. Resumes. So in terms, we'll put all the links to the um, agencies in the podcast links as well. Um, so resume. So every job you apply for, you are going to need a resume. I think that goes without saying. Um and as Tony, Ife, and I all discovered at one of these um, <coughs> lectures we were at where someone came and told us we need an active resume to go at all times, it is true because you want to have time to re- um, tailor that resume to the specific job you're applying for um, at all times as soon as that job comes out. So I think there's a few valuable resources you can use to get your resume up to scratch. The first being your, I suppose, being a very basic one, just the internet, Googling how to write a resume, just to get the really basics underway, the way of just formatting, what to write, how much to write. That's quite good to get started. But then I think something that was really important and I never knew we had as a resource available to us, or especially at La Trobe Uni, which is where all three of us were from, um, is that there is resume, I'm not sure the correct name of them. The Careers Ready. Ca- careers Ready, yeah. So thanks for that, Tony. I was gonna, no now the other tribe students will have know exactly where to go. Level um, two Agora. Level two on the Agora. There's people called Careers Ready, and what they will do is they you go there with your resume. It's probably a good idea to go with a specific job in mind you want to apply for as well. But even if you're not ready to apply, just bring your resume <laughs> as well. Um, and they look over your resume and they will very politely tear it apart. No, nah, they t- they tore mine apart. They tear it. They tear. They tore mine apart too. But it was the best thing. The best thing that happened to me. Yeah. Like I, I realized how crap my resume. Like not to be. I'm not sure if I can swear. But um, to be realistic, you'll find that. Well, at least I find it. My, I'm not sure about you. But my resume was crap compared to what oh, it, was it, hor- it was horrible. What what, resume, it was, yeah. what I thought. And I thought my resume was really really good. I came in thinking, oh, man. Ah, my resume is pretty good. Like what these people all attend a couple of things. The woman looked at us like this is garbage. Take this out, take this out, why have you put this, why have you put this? And I was like, okay, whatever. And then as soon as I changed my resume, the my success rate in applications is skyrocketed. Yeah. And I was like, it was, it was great. My resume and my cover letter. So yeah, do not do, they'll do cover letters as well. Do so not es- underestimate. I'd say even before you start applying for jobs, do what you can in your resume. Like try to do your resume and then go to these people and critique it. Because yeah. you realize Obviously, they're looking at it from a professional lens, and it's it's amazing what um, what is garbage. And that's the thing they 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 have experience in all your disciplines as well. So they, if you tell them you're a podiatrist applying for a podiatry job, they will tell you the things to tailor on your resume relevant to podiatry. Oh, it might not be too relevant to podiatry, but that like there'll be someone who actually experienced in allied health. Yeah, like, I think one of the women was maybe had experience in OT. So they may not maybe give you exactly specific podiatry stuff, but, but as in health, because yeah. they're in allied health, they kind of know what to look for. Like, like they, can, they can use those general principles of yeah. the allied health profession yeah, yeah, yeah. to help fix your resume. Yeah. Which is a, is better than, like, I suppose, Google. Yeah. Because Google's just going to be your, your really, like, it's good to get your basics of your resume sorted. Uh. But Google's going to be very broad. And that's, to be honest, I think if I, from your smile is probably the same thing. Um, that's how I've got my resume ready for the job that I eventually, that I, the jobs that I wanted to apply for was Google. And I'm like, sweet, this looks awesome. I may as well take it to the career-ready people anyway. But, yeah, I got there and they were like, no, nah, this is not going to fly. So it was, yeah. 
quite brutal, but I'm very, very happy I did that. Yeah, and just to add to that, I think I think I was the only one out of the six of us who didn't go to this uh, agency. Um, but I did make sure that I got, you know, you guys and a few people, um, especially from family and friends to go over the resume as well, because um, they they have an idea of what you've done throughout uni and your you know working experience, and they can add a few things that you can put into. And it is good to have someone who's not yourself critique yep. your work. Like they will be like they'll be honest. If something doesn't make grammatical sense, they'll be like, oh no, fix that. I don't get it. I don't know what you mean. Because then the employer of the job you're applying for will not under- likely not understand that as well. Yeah, and if you share your resume with your friends, you can kind of get an idea of what yours look like compared to someone else's as well. And um, yeah, it's always good to to know your competition as well and take that as your advantage. Yeah. So, and it's yeah. in. Like you're saying, Tones, like sharing it with like your other friends, like podiatry friends or whatever friends they may be. It's important to realize that every resume is going to be different. Yeah. Like we have a, I'll oh, just name him, it's Jason, um, who'd worked before because he'd started podiatry once he'd already been out in the real world for a few years. His list of jobs <laughs> is significantly longer than ours. Yeah. Um, and so I suppose it's good to keep in mind that your resume doesn't have to look exactly like his. You don't have to, like just because Jason's got four different jobs already, on his resume, you don't have to crowbar in your work experience at a bookstore in Hurstbridge or something yeah, like that. Exactly. Right. So just, yeah. So make sure, just understand that every resume is going to be different. Um, so strongly recommend going to Careers Ready. Your re- you may think no, your resume not, is awesome. Not. You may think your resume is the best thing going around. Take it there anyway. For if you really want just that extra edge over everyone else who's applying for those jobs, I strongly recommend taking like, it. Literally, there. it's free. So, what is the worst thing? Like, you're not going to lose anything. You're oh, not you're, anything. you're not going to lose anything. And yeah, I'm sure you're gaining more than anything. At worst, the worst thing you're going to lose is a bit of your ego. But I, I think it's healthy to have your ego taken down a little bit because then it makes you go back and have a look at it again and be like, yeah. all right, let's start, let's fix these things up. And I'm sure other universities um, will have that available to them around Australia and dare I say if we have any international listeners the world um, dreaming big so I suppose a few other tips I have for resumes is one that I think I think is extremely important is to make your resume relevant to the job you're applying for so different jobs are going to require different skill sets and different experience so if you look at Ife who's predominantly applying for public health jobs where he's doing a lot of community health work and wound wound care wound management love it Yep. yep. Then you want to tell you want to write about your experiences, your experiences, whether it be on placement or work or what are the volunteering you've done, relevant particularly to wound care. So, so I'll give an example. Let's say you did a um, placement at Northern Health. You want to say talk about your experience in terms of how you managed patients' wounds, your role in that position. You wouldn't talk so much about the. This is probably a very poor example. Let's say the biomechanically part of that job, if you of that um, play, placement experience, if there was a biomechanical part to it, you'd focus mainly on the wound healing aspect of it. And I suppose the converse, the opposite, um, would be for a mainly biomechanical job. So, like this is more for relevant to a private clinic. So, if you're applying for a sports clinic, you want to take everything you can from those placements, from your experiences, and tailor them to take the sporting biomechanical um, perspectives from those experiences and focus about them on your resume. And that's just going to show the employer that you have taken the time, you've tailored that job, you've tailored that resume specifically to that job and it just makes you look like you are so much more prepared for that job 
than if you just throw out a generic resume. In addition, um, what I find is, <clears throat> what I found is, um, not what I found, what is true is, my resume for applying for public jobs and my resume for applying for pub, uh, actually no, my resume for public jobs and private jobs are relatively, oh, they're, they're similar. The wording is a bit different. Um, the wording's a bit different, but the most definitely different is the cover letter. My cover letter for public job and the cover letter for private job are completely opposites. They're completely opposites because obviously the information I'm trying to um, highlight in a public job is much, much different from a private job. I don't think uh, people in private really care that I like wounds. <laughs> oh, I mean, it depends, yeah. Like, if it's a private clinic that's mainly chip and clip where you're not seeing that many yeah, it's, it's, it's like, it's oh, not, cool. if, if you're working in, let's say you, you want to apply for a biomech, like, as Julian said, you're applying for a biomech, um, a, a job and you're, that sees a lot of biomechanical things, you want to highlight things like maybe you've you've done work experience, if you've done any, um, with this footy club or this um, athletic athletics club or that you, for example, what I, what I found a lot of people, what is true with a lot of people's, a lot of people who are interested in biomech probably have interest also in um, long distance running. I know Tony does. I know Jules sort of does. Wishes he, wishes he does. Oh, tra- um, training to be a fair few podiatrists, at least in our year, um, who are really really good at biomech are good at it because they can apply their they can they can apply their experiences. Like if they've had patella knee um, um, patella knee pain like and like things like that, um, plantar fasciitis. And all those other things, and and they when they're exposed, exposing that experience to the clients, it's it's more on a personal level because they know. Yes, I know what that sharp pain feels like because I've rolled my ankle ten times as well. I've done this, I've done that. And I, I suppose as well, it just shows an active interest in what you are planning to um, profess as a podiatrist. Yeah. If you are like a marathon runner and you're planning on working in a biomet clinic that's going to presumably see a lot of runners, gee, you're running, you are running every day. You are taking an active interest in what you are going to be treating your patients with. Speaking about active interest, actually, really important. You said that <clears throat> because I found that um, sometimes, if you want to work in a specific area of podiatry, you want to push yourself to an area. So um, you have to kind of go through CBDs that are relevant. Yep. That I found, for for example, like let's say, like when I decided um, when I, after I worked in private I wanted I still wanted to keep work I wanted to work in public I just looked started looking at all um, um, wound wound care CPDs like it was expensive but I paid for one in oh, I can't remember the, the, the date or what it was it was with an organisation called wound, wound Innovations and it kind of just solidified some of my theory about um, wound, wound care and things like that because obviously seeing in private I'm not going to see being in private sorry I'm not going to see many and um, it's just important to reinforce and also you'll find Pilates is a very 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 small world so yeah. you'll, you'll find in a lot of CBEs you see it keeps seeing the same people over and over so it's very good to to you know network make those connections and just uh, make yourself familiar so for example I'm looking for a community health job and I'm not working and you, the thing is you don't have to be working in that sector yet to be going to the CPDs when I went my first um, wound wound care CPD I was still working in private so it's it's not that oh I'll wait it's, it's not the thinking that oh I'll wait until I get that role before I start doing it you it, it, sometimes you just have to take that leap that's what I mean take that active interest show that active interest yeah. in that role and it's even the same thing. I think that's a really good tip to have for new grads, not even, well, even before new grads, while you're a student. Um, we had a, um, all three of us had an event a few weeks back about biomechanics and orthotics. 
Um, and there was a fourth year student there. And I was like, gee, what are you doing here? Like, but now he took it, he takes an active interest in biomechanics and orthotics. He wants to work in that sporting role. And I was like, gee, that's, that's bloody awesome to put on your resume. So I think that's a really strong tip to have a really strong um, aspect to have on your resume for new grads, uni students, just everyone in general. It's really awesome. And Tony, working mainly in private, what were your experiences like what you did on your resume? Like, did you talk about anything in particular or is there anything that you've noticed? Because you, I suppose you've, you've interviewed for quite predominantly private clinics. Um, you would have noticed a few trends among the red, like what they look for in resumes in, in that application process. Yeah, it's quite a lot of uh, common theme within the private uh, job listings, uh, especially on Seek and those external websites. They've always listed dot points, um, like what kind of skills they're looking for. So communication, teamwork, <coughs> work experience, um, and just things that are more of a personal level rather than a skill set. And yeah, throughout the interviews, I found that a lot of them were asking a lot of questions that were based on your personality and how you would deal with situations rather than how good you are at, say, debriding or classifying a certain wound. So I thought with private jobs, a lot of that is definitely looking at your personal skills. Yeah. And it's something that's very important in podiatry because um, you can pretty much fake it till you make it. You can make yourself look or sound like you're a very personal person, but then you might not have the skills I feel like a lot of private jobs are definitely looking at your personal skills rather than what you can deliver on a practical level. But as a new grad, they will know that they're essentially there to foster your skills and help you grow as a young podiatrist. So it's so more the communication with your patients, how you are as a person, like I suppose personality-wise, what you're, they're pro, almost like they're trying to predict what your relationship with the staff at the workplace and the patients is going to be. Yeah, because essentially uh, with a lot of private jobs, um, they are there to be quite sustainable and make, I guess, some sort of profit. Uh, so they definitely want someone who can help retain patients and make sure that they can communicate with not only the staff but the patients as well. So it's and, probably good to chuck that on your resume then, like that yeah. you've got those, like just little things to show that you have those interpersonal skills, I guess. Yeah, and I've heard from others who interviewed for private jobs that some of them were required to do a quiz on their personality. So I found that quite bizarre, but, you know, they're trying to find um, yeah, certain characteristics that stand out. I'm a, I'm a bit on the fence about these personality quizzes. I'm worried I'm, I'm going to do one that's going to come I'm, out like you're a robot or something like I that. I did one at the private jobs. You went too too flash on them too, yeah, they, weren't you? Mm, yes. Ah, <laughs> uh, lovely. One of those, uh, those bump, bump, uh, not bump, whoopsie. Tumblr, those Tumblr quizzes that you uh, do. There. It, it just, yeah, it just reminds me of those, uh, more recently, uh, the Spotify ones we do. It's like, your taste in music is this obscure, and it's just yes, like, I oh, you give your mates a bit of bit of flack about it if they're below a certain percentage. It just reminds me of that a little bit. So I'm a bit on the fence of the personality quiz side of things, but it does seem to be pretty common because a few people, yeah, like Tony said, from our year level have gone into that stuff. So I suppose once you get that resume sorted, I suppose this is just saying off, a bit off, no, not really off topic. Keep that resume relevant. Don't go on tangents talking about like achievements that aren't particularly relevant to podiatry. Or let's say no one you, cares that you went to a big private school. Yeah, you probably, you probably don't need to, you don't need to mention your pri your high school. <laughs> I reckon. Um, the other thing as well is, I think if you had a say a significant sporting achievement. Let's say you play VFL football. You can't talk about playing VFL footy the whole resume. You've got to talk about podiatry as well. I've, from my experiences in where still, I've been, where I still I've think worked. it may be important to note, like in terms of like if they're asking work oh, weekend work and things like that. Definitely mention it. And also, I, it may 
be good for marketing and things like that in terms of um, when you're seeing, you know, kind of the organization can market you like, you know, you, you, you have that in-depth knowledge about how it works in a more high performance level of seeing podiatrists and things like that. But I, th- I think it's good to mention it, like especially if you're going for like a sports clinic, oh, gee, you play footy, you know all about these injuries then. But yeah, I, th- yeah. I think you got to balance, you got to talk about podiatry as well. Yeah. Don't just talk about you're really good at footy or you're really good at this sport or you I think went overseas it's to play this yeah, sport. I think it's important to link link how it's relevant to podiatry. Yes, no, no, if that's it, nailed it. Like you got to link how, how that's relevant to your podiatry course. Even though you're just playing a sport, your experience with those injuries... It's yeah. just if you can link it back to podiatry, that's awesome. They're gonna the employer for that sports clinic, or if you have got wound experience of some sort, um, is going to love that. If you do mention like your extracurricular activities such as sport and all, uh, most likely they'll be popped up in the interview as well, and that will be something that you can talk about strongly. Um, and yeah, that might be relevant to the job that you're applying for as well. Beautiful. All right, boys. Have anything else to add about resumes off the top of your heads? Uh, I mean, I'm just not specific about resumes. I'll just chuck a couple hints, tips, whatever you want to call them. I'll just say I want to mind be um go to as many CPDs as as, as possible, especially when you're when you're still young, still a new grad. Um, mm-hmm. because especially the free ones, go to all the free ones. Um, all the webinars. Um, even oh, those yeah, yeah. $50, $60 ones because you'll find. They're actually really, really helpful. When you're still, you still don't know that much about podiatry. When you're still young in in, in the profe- in the field, they're still very, very helpful. If you've got twenty years experience, maybe it's not that helpful anymore. But um, when like all the ones I've gone to, and I've gone to a fair few, um, got done a, a couple um, webinars in general. I did one about peds. Mm-hmm. Done two about peds actually, and I've gone to three or four biomech ones. I did one with that physio and things like that. Like mm-hmm. I've gotten something from every every single one and it, even things that i realized oh wow um i really need to practice you know maybe my knowledge on um x-rays imaging taping um exercises this and that yeah beautiful and on just to add with the resume i would also like to note for i guess third and fourth year students who are currently or about to enter their placements definitely um have a good relationship with your supervisor and those you're going to be under <clears throat> because potentially they could offer you t- to be one of their referees or you could ask them to be a referee on your resume. And I found that if you have a senior podiatrist or someone who's quite relevant within the field, such as public health, uh, then it's definitely handy to have that on your resume. Um, and I, that's what a lot of us, uh, the class of 2018, did. And that's what landed potentially our desired jobs. Yeah, two of my um, references are my teachers. <laughs> yeah, so you got to, so in other words, be nice, yeah, be nice be, to your supervisors, be, be nice, nice to your um, teachers and lecturers in uni because yeah, they, it's better to have like I suppose who else can you really have on your resume as a referee unless you already work in a clinic, mm. like they are going to be the best person to talk to about because it's probably not much point, it's probably not much point doing it on a um, putting like a referee who works at a <laughs> shoe store, um, because they're not really polite. Maybe they are, but they aren't like not as specifically podiatry experienced as referees who have worked with you clinically for five weeks at minimum. So to sum it all up, we, those are just a few tips to help your resume um, improve it, bring it to the next level. We're not the experts. Um, the experts Certainly are the experts are the people who work at your university, the career ready people, or the equivalent. Go to them. 
there's no such thing as the perfect resume until you go to, or even after you go to them. It's probably still not perfect, but it is going to be so much better having gone to them. So, great. Um, and that brings us on to the cover letter, which is another two things that are guaranteed to be in your resume, or in, sorry, two things that are guaranteed to be in your job application are resume, cover letter, and probably an interview as well. Um, so, your cover letter. So, I suppose there's a few little tips and tricks to have with your cover letter. Again, I'd probably search up on the Seek websites or just general websites how to write a cover letter to get a really basic idea of what to do. Um, just some little tips and tricks from my experiences in doing dealing with um, job applications. Make sure you address the hiring manager in your cover letter, so the person who's in charge of the um, hiring process. Probably not much point saying if you're applying for Northern Health, dear Northern Health. Like you got, you got to, you got to ring up and find out who that person is. Yeah, or uh, to whom it may concern. To it's, whom it may concern. Yeah, it's, it's usually a name at the end of the application. Not always. Job. Not always. Not always. Not if always. Not, you got to use it. Some, if, 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 if not, I can just ring up and be like, oh, who's going to be doing the interviews and resumes? Because then, because then you can just it looks better. Be like, oh, how'd they know? Who I, how'd yeah. they know? They must be pretty interested in that. Looks sort like of stuff. you care. Exactly. Yeah. And like, I suppose it's kind of don't assume it's going to be someone who you know works at the organisation or the, you, the person you know is the boss of the organisation because sometimes it might be a grade two doing the hiring or someone who's not like the head of nah, the organisation. Oh no! Well, I suppose more from a, my experience in a private. Oh, private. Yeah. In a private world, it's not always the head of the company doing the hiring or the head of the clinic doing the hiring. Well, in my in my uh, experience in community health, while well, applying for community health jobs. It's sometimes the podiatrist not isn't. I've applied for a couple of jobs that the podiatrist isn't even involved. So, so, so no podiatrist involved in. At um, all. the one I clinic did, manager, I think. Yeah, clinic manager, not podiatrist. Uh, the one, the job I just got, none of them, none of them are podiatrists. Actually, yeah, there are a few private <coughs> jobs as well. Yeah, it was the, like the person, a clinic manager, who's like, yeah, yeah just runs the clinic. And it was a clinic hiring, manager, yeah. and there was a dietitian, and there was like a nurse practitioner. So, so, so no new uh knew nothing about podiatry. So, uh, it's so, not always a podiatrist. So yes. never never assume you know who is doing the um the, who is the hiring manager usually unless they unless they, unless they spe unless they specify usually who it is. In in community health, if part of a community health job, usually there is a podiatrist and the podiatrist will ask you clean out so there'll be <clears throat> a group of people, usually three or four people. Mm -hmm. Uh these like when I did a application with an specified organization. Mm -hmm. Um, there's like a someone from HR, and like there'll be one someone from HR, another person from um, clinic manager, and then then the podiatrist. And that it's usually the podiatrist that will ask you a couple clinical questions. Okay, beautiful. Yeah. Um. So yeah, make sure you address the hiring manager. <clears throat> yeah. And the other thing as well is make sure you include the job title or company name you're applying for because then it makes it sound like it's a specific letter, specific yep. color, not a generic one. Um, and, and make actually, sure it's specific about yeah. the position, like grade two at um, Northern Health. Yeah. So <clears throat> make sure yep, you, mess, you specify that position as well. I actually had a pretty funny experience, funny in hindsight, where I... Um, so for this famous podiatry project about getting your first job that we did, I, my job was to write a demo good cover letter and a good a bad cover letter. So my good cover letter, like I used Northern Health as an example of a um of the job you'd be hiring at applying at. And what I did was I took elements of when I applied for jobs, I took elements of that good cover letter and pasted it and then changed it up. And I applied for this job I really wanted. And the one thing I forgot to change was Northern Health. So I applied for an organisation that definitely was not Northern Health with a cover letter that said, "Dear Mr X." I'm interested in applying at grade one at Northern Health. I somehow got the job still, so it's all worked out. But you might not be as lucky next time. I know Jason's had a had a bad experience with <laughs> applying for one of his jobs as well, where he, he accidentally ticked 
um, that he wasn't a new grad for a grad position and he and he got eliminated straight away. And it shows you're not reading. Exactly. It shows you not didn't pay attention, so yeah, be careful with that. Um, a cover letter is sort of like a high it's an opportunity to highlight your skills and just talk about yourself briefly, just to expand upon your resume a little bit. So just be specific again on what skills you can bring to the company that are relevant to the role. Talk about like your time on placement doing um, sporting things if it's a sporting job. It's similar to similar to your resume, just expanding on it a little bit more in that succinct. You know, to um, be honest, sometimes, sometimes I wonder. I'm not sure if this would be a throwaway comment. Sometimes I wonder if some organisations actually read my cover letter. I reckon they do. No, you know, I say the reason for it is because um, obviously I was grade one graduate, and I there weren't many graduate positions open, so I used to just apply for grade two positions anyway. Because I thought, well, the worst thing that I could do is just throw it in the bin. And people have been hired. New grads have been hired in grade two positions before. Before, but this year... No. Well, we, we had a very big year level, so it was very yeah. competitive. Yeah. And I I still got interviews. It was fun. And I got a lot of grade two interviews. I probably got, what, nine. Nine. Yep. yep. But then they'd reject me and say that I didn't have enough experience. But but they still gave you... So you're thinking maybe they didn't read your cover. Yeah, I, I had a feeling like if these people actually sat down and read my resume, that I read my cover, it would say... Uh, in my cover letter, it said I'm a graduate. Yeah. <laughs> and a cover it says my experience, but my experience was on placement. So sometimes I wonder yeah. if these people, like, if mm. they sat for three minutes and just read it, they'd realise, oh, no. why is this guy applying as a... He, he can't... There's no way I'd be a grade two and I'd still talk about placement. Mm-hmm. Like, it wouldn't make sense. So that's mm. why I think sometimes... So that's where you question, did the <laughs> clinic manager who's not a podiatrist read yeah. it, put it through, and then the podiatrist picked it up later on. But, yeah, I mean, if you get to get to the stage where you get to interview and uh, see them face-to-face, then that's already a step ahead of someone who's just been rejected totally. Mm-hmm. Beauty. Um, other things to include as well is don't include irrelevant information, again, in cover letter. Average employer, especially for your graduate positions or your public health commission positions where lots of people are gunning for them, or even really good, like good clinics, private <coughs> clinics, where it's a clinic where... Lots of applicants. Are good. There's going to be lots of applicants. The op- the employer is going to have so many resumes that he wants to read through, so many cover letters he wants to read through. Don't or she um, don't include irrelevant information. So if you include that unnecessary information, it just means that that employer is more likely to skip over the important bits that are relevant to that role. So be succinct and be to the point. Spelling errors, for God's sake, do a spell check. Word usually does it all of it for you. Nah, not all the time. Not man. all the time. Not all the time. Oh. Like, I'd say be very, just go through it over and over. Get someone else to go through it over and over again because sometimes word doesn't pick up on certain things or you spell there, there, you know, like those type of words. Mm-hmm. And some, some people, there are some applicants or people reading through the application that are very, very particular about these things. Mm-hmm. And that, for some people, that can de- like that can end your thing. That's what I mean. Like, and it just shows that you've got that attention to detail yeah. to actually read your... Th- Letter and be like, and oh look, you there's can't a say spe- in your resume that wrong. you're very attentive and with it, and then you've uh, misspelt yeah. your stuff in it, your resume. It, like it doesn't make any sense. They'll probably be having a good laugh around. Yeah, and be like, oh look at this guy. He's a boy. <laughs> I can't even. Spe- he says he's attentive. Can't even spell the word and or something. Yeah. Like that. Uh. <laughs> and the other thing as well, I'd say is way you set out your cover letter is pretty important. So from what I learned from the careers ready people, skills you want to talk mm. about, if you can spa- double space them into like two or three sentences separating them from one big instead of one big paragraph it's just going to stand out and the employer is just going to skim through and be like yep that's good yep that's good yep i like that as opposed to if it's one big paragraph they're going to have to read through it all trying to dissect individually that information yeah and i think when you complete your cover letter i from experience found that 
saving your letter through a PDF format works best. And that way, when you email the document, the text doesn't move around ah. because if you have, say, the latest Word document and the employer has, uh, let's say, 2013, the format might change. So I find that saving it in a PDF version uh, makes it set in stone, so they can't change it as well. It'd be really, it'd be really unfortunate for an employer to get a letter and it says, "Word does not support this format. We will change it to Windings for you." Or yep, like, exactly, Windings <coughs> being the font that's just the symbols, so they yep. wouldn't be able to read it. Um, but that's a very good point, Tyson. I never considered that. So mm. save it as PDF. Beautiful. Boys, got any suggestions for cover letters for anything else to add? Because if I'm, so I'll just add a couple more things. Um, like I just say, never be scared. Like I think I've touched up a bit. Never be scared of, in, well, at least regarding public, community health roles. Never be scared of still applying for roles. That you're not um, I'm not sure if this is a wise thing to do, but never be scared of applying for jobs that you're not necessarily qualified for. So like what I mean is, obviously I was a grade one and I still applied for grade two positions and I still got grade two interviews. I did not get the obviously I didn't get the grade two jobs, but I still gained. Uh, important things from the interviews so sometimes it's about taking positives from not so positive situations like my interview skills definitely improved because i saw how obviously how um interviews were run mm -hmm. and just how sometimes sometimes i can ask you questions that you're not prepared for yeah. which is um a fact of life obviously you always want to prepare but sometimes yeah like i went for a, a role that i'm a particular role and i had i'd done all the readings about high risk and stuck wounds and all these things and I'd spent days reading up and they asked me a Pete's question and I thought, oh wow, damn, there you go. <laughs> so be, be prepared for anything. <laughs> I messed that one up because oh, I didn't get the job. So yeah, just be, pre be prepared for everything mm. and always take positives out of not so positive situations. No, that's awesome. Yeah, I guess um, having your resume and cover letter um, saved on your computer ready to go is very important. I know Seek and you know a few of the other websites allow you to create a profile and save current or recent resumes and cover letters. Uh, but then you've got to make sure that you're changing you know, the, the, the person who's hiring or tailor it to the specific job yep. or else you can apply for a job on Seek where it's for one clinic and then the other clinic, if you're using the same cover letter, you might be addressing it to the wrong person. so. And it might be a different clinic. It might be more of a an aged care clinic as opposed to a biomech clinic or something like that. Yeah. So just change to make sure you tailor it, like you said. Something I actually didn't talk about before um, was when you're looking at a job, don't be afraid to just ring up the organisation and ask, what does the job entail? What are my what would my roles be if I got the job? Because then again, <clears> you can tailor that in your resume and cover letter mm. to that specific position. And I suppose it just gives the employer or the hiring manager just a familiar name so would strongly recommend that as well. But if there was one final thing I would recommend, it is go see you, the careers ready people or the equivalent in your university. They will tear your resume to shreds, but it is the best thing that will ever happen to that resume. And if I can attest to that as well. Yeah. I guess my final point would be again, um, <clears throat> I'll just restate that, um, especially if you're a new grad about to graduate in what year is it? 2019, I think they're the biggest cohort. Or Tony, 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 Tony would know. Um, this year, I'm talking about this year. The one, the one that's about to finish yeah. this year, uh, about 120, 130. So there's, oh, a, there's, there's a fair few of you, and uh, let's just say if you're applying for pub crawl, there's a fair few of you, and you know there may be like 30 of you saying you want to go through public roles in Melbourne, mm -hmm. and there may not be many. That it's, I'm not sure how the funding's going to work. Every year, but coming from my experience this year, they 
they there wasn't there weren't too many roles open. So I'd say if you're adamant of saying you want to work in community health or in a high risk setting, do not be scared of moving out. I mean, like, look, not everyone is in a situation to move out of home um, for several reasons, financial reasons, you know, or maybe if you've got a wife or a partner and things like that. But if you are in a position like I, I'm not married, I don't have a mortgage or anything like that, and I was single, so there was I had no issues. And like again, sometimes that start that opportunity um, may not for you to work in the community health position may not be afforded to you in Melbourne. So you may have to go to um, interstate. And I'll say in my in this year, there were so many positions opened in rural Queensland, it was crazy. Like Mount Isa, Cairns, like it was, and grade one positions as, as well. Like there weren't, <laughs> I reckon there were like 15 jobs that were open in rural Queensland that weren't open in Melbourne. In Melbourne. Grade one, there were positions open in um, rural Victoria, Swan Hill, um, um, Robin Vale, Portland, Warnable, Colac, a lot. And, and these aren't Melbourne. And again, some uh, for some these are not necessarily bad places to live. They so may not be say, like places like Colac aren't too bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah but I'm not. I'm, they, I'm they, all these places sound lovely. Like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> just if any of the people from these places are listening, they all sound yeah. lovely. But. No, Portland's a fantastic place. Um, it actually is. Um, what I will say is again, like they may not be your ideal location because you know if you're born and bred in Melbourne, but you know. Again, sometimes you, you, beggars not not that they're not good position, but beggars can't be choosers. If you if you say you want to work in X Y position, sometimes going rural is is where you'll have to go mm-hmm. because and sometimes there are a lot of advantages of going regional. I was going like, to say you'll get the life experience as well of moving. If this is your first time moving out of home, you are going to like in terms of independence, you're going to go from zero to one hundred like real quick, cooking your own food and like living with the, like. Well, I, I moved out of home when I was eighteen, so. Oh, so you're bit, you've, you had yeah, that four, I've, you I've, had that four years experience li- living yeah. on college, living the party yeah, life. Yeah. I've done such um, a bang. Um, no, what I'll say is like even when I was working as a worker in regional Victoria, um, just. Just you're seeing more things because obviously there was only one podiatrist. So if you're working in, let's say, Melbourne or in a big hospital or a big community health center, that the three or four podiatrists and all the, the more complex patients may be given to the more senior podiatrists in a regional, um, regional Victoria or regional area, they don't really have a choice. So you're gonna see things that you like you may not have been afforded to in Melbourne or in a bigger area. Yeah. Like I was only I was only in um, Western Victoria regionally for a little while and I saw and my goal was to work in wound care and see wounds and I saw a lot and I and I treated them solo. And um, it was daunting, yes, but again, experience. I got the experience I I got the experience I wanted. So that was the main thing. Beautiful. Good summer, that. Yeah. So I reckon that brings us to the end of today's episode obviously being applying for jobs is such a massive thing i think it's best that we break it up into two parts so next time we'll be talking about the perhaps the second stage of the job application process which includes inevitably the interview which should be really interesting because i know that a few of us have different opinions on like even just little things like how to dress um in interviews but that'll be interesting so the interview and then when you've been offered the job what do you do now so and i'm sure there'll be plenty of other things to talk about as well will come up during the episode so thanks for listening guys and stay tuned for next time thanks guys see ya